0: All right. Today, I've got two amazing guests on who have been on the show before. They both shared their biographies and their their personal journeys to where they are today uh, in our uh, previous episodes. And today, we're going to do the what I'm calling the solution spotlight. We're going to talk about their company and about what they're doing and how they got there. And I've got Leo Frankel, the CEO and co-founder of Waterfall Security, and Andrew Ginter, the VP of Industrial Security, both longtime uh, supporters of CSA and longtime industry contributors. Welcome to the show again, Leo and
1: Andrew. Thank you, Derek. Uh, excited to be here. Happy to be here. Thank you, Derek. Let's talk uh,
0: waterfall and let's talk unidirectional gateway technology. And there used to be a term thrown around data diodes, and there's lots of discussions around segmentation and micro-segmentation and you know all these terms uh, that are you know brought up a lot. People, everybody, sort of like we got to start segmenting these networks. It's pretty common uh, common understanding, and you guys play the very interesting part in segmenting uh, you know networks. Uh, what so just talk about, you know, why don't we start with what you do, and then we'll peel back the onion layers and get to sort of where it all came from.
1: I'll, I'll let uh, Andrew do the what we do, but I, I do want to say that we don't see ourselves as segmenting networks. More, we are allowing secure integration. We are allowing secure connection between different environments. Uh, uh, you know, segmenting networks is easy. Just disconnect them from one another, and they're segmented. The really tough thing is to connect them in a way that doesn't put, you know, either side at risk. That allows you to connect, in our case, a control network to the Internet without imposing remote access threats and, you know, virus propagation and and all of that. Is that smart
0: segmentation?
2: (laughs) You can. We We don't. (laughs) I prefer... I prefer safe segmentation yeah, or nice. safe connectivity, actually, sure. yeah. um, because you know, I mean, think about the last the last 40 years. I mean, when when did industrial automation go big? I mean, the I dimly recall, um, you know, it went big with the the, the deck vax. That was sort of the first instrument that was widely used for industrial automation, and ever since we have been throwing. More CPUs of the problem, more more automation. The world has been automating for 40 years, which means, of course, that we're deploying more and more targets. And for 40 years, you know, data in motion has been the lifeblood of of modern automation. And so, well, I prefer to think of it as safe. Connectivity. I mean, I mean, think about the, the, the problem, big picture. Industrial automation, in my dim recollection, went big time with the DEC VAX back in what was it, the, the, the 1980s. So, you know, 40 years ago. And for 40 years, we've been deploying more and more automation because we all want better efficiencies out of our physical process. You know, all automation is computers nowadays. There's software everywhere. All software is a target. We've been deploying more and more targets for 40 years. And Data in motion is the lifeblood of modern automation. And so, and here's the problem, you know, all cyber sabotage attacks, and this is what we're worried about on the physical side, all cyber sabotage attacks are information. Every way that information flows, attacks can flow as well. And so for 40 years, we've been deploying more and more connections between our automation computers to, you know, enable this, this, uh, this flow of information. But here's the thing. I don't know of any engineering team out there that is you know has a strategic goal uh connect more computers this year that's not their goal the goal is increase efficiency increase reliability occasionally you know improve safety you know the goal is these benefits connectivity is a means to an end and with connectivity, obviously comes risk—the risk of cyber attacks. So, you know, what I see waterfall providing with unidirectional gateways is a way to get the benefits of connectivity without the risks.
0: Well, I I think you're you're absolutely on the money as far as the the timeline. And it's not like we've arrived and now all this stuff is connected. So let's work to solve it. We're still connecting, right? And so we're talking about solving a problem that is dynamically continuing to change with more attack surfaces tomorrow than there are today. And this methodology, this concept you're talking about of like, we've got to be really deliberate about how those things are connected is never going away, right? That's going to be, that's the architecture of tomorrow is instead of flat and everything's great and let's connect, which I I like in that. I think that's our heritage, right? We inherited the internet invention was reliability. Send the same message, chop it up, and send it lots of different ways or multiple ways. Reassemble it. It got there. That's it. Not obviously anything about how you know secure it was. And we inherited a heyday or a, you know a decades of let's connect stuff. This is great. And 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 now there's obviously you know there's there's all these unintended consequences of connecting everything, and we can't you know move forward that way. And so you're I like your your. Um, It's an architecture change, right, and and a methodology change.
1: You you know, there are are two things that are not going going away. One is what you just said. And, you know, we we see more and more connectivity, and we see cloud connectivity and and cloud services, and we see building management systems being connected and, and, you know, safety systems being connected. Uh, uh, Not judging, I'm just citing. And... (laughs) Uh, and the other thing that won't change is bad guys got the idea that this is something that they can exploit, and nowadays also make a lot of money out of. So ransomware is here, and it's here to stay. And I think this is one of the uh, one of the biggest uh, things that are changing the market from a market that says, okay, let's let's be compliant, you know. Let's do the minimum we need to do just to say that we did something to actually strongly protecting their perimeters and, and better protecting their facilities, or else either they pay a lot of money or they shut down their operations or worse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Well, let's talk about um, – I, I want to get uh, it's sort of a, a term definition out of the way. Data diodes was a term being used for some time, Unidirectional gateway technology. I'd like you to just talk about where that term comes from and – and any differentiation, if there is, between okay. that term is still used, I hear it in a lot of other places, and your term rings in my head every time I hear it. I'm like, well, I, I, there's
2: another term for this. Could you, could you differentiate that for everybody? Um, sure, I'll jump in, Lior. Sure. Um, the uh, data diodes have been around since the 1970s. Um, they were used in military contexts. They are hardware that is physically able to send information in only one direction. You send information into a classified network. You leak nothing out. If you Google data diode, you're going to find, I did this the other day. In the first 15 pages of Google hits, you're going to find 75 vendors. And they're all selling hardware to their local military. Uh, the term unidirectional gateway was defined by NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Um, and you know, Waterfall has been using it for some time. But it, it means that sort of one-way hardware um, with software that makes copies of servers so that it sort of becomes a plug and play replacement uh, for the, the ITOT interface in an industrial network. Just another word about the software. I mean, it, the International Gateway is something that, that arguably Waterfall invented. Our first patent was for making copies of industrial servers through one way hardware. So, you know, our patent was for the industrial application of that one way technology. And, you know, the reason that NIST uses the term unidirectional gateway is because they don't want to confuse people. If you anyone who uses the term data diode, you're going to encourage people to go to to Google, Google data diode and get all confused by all these military vendors who have nothing for the industrial marketplace. If you Google unidirectional gateway, you will find us and, you know, the very small number of of uh, businesses that have anything to offer unidirectionally into the industrial marketplace.
0: Wow, all the years I know you and I've been in the industry, I never quite got the distinction and the importance of that term being one of clarity, the other one being one of a lot of noise, that, that, that I did not realize that, that makes sense. All right, well, let's talk about, um, you know, I, I've got a, an image up, and you know, I know for the podcast, you will be able to see this, but we may, you know, create some video from this as well. And I can see sort of the you know the the industrial network on one side and the corporate network on the other, and then this replica database that you're talking about, it, you know, makes sense. Can you talk about how, you know, a little bit more about how this is how this is done?
2: I'm happy to. Um, the the idea is to to make a copy of the data source. I mean, you know forget unidirectional gateways, back in the day, back when I was, you know, even before firewalls were used at the it interface, I remember the mid-1990s, um, I was with uh, Hewlett Packard. We were selling a product that connected IT networks with uh, industrial networks, and we just hooked the wires together and and connected on through. Um, and even back then, the most common design pattern for connecting these networks was to put something in the industrial network or put something at sort of this, this boundary that would aggregate all of the data that you want to share with the business. It might be a historian. It might be an OPC server. OPC was uh, you know, in the early days back in the mid-1990s. It might be a, a relational database. Who knows what it is? But the reason you did that was not for security. The reason you did that was because it just made no sense to have a spaghetti code of connections between all of the consumers of information on the industrial side and all of the producers, the, the you know incredibly varied producers of information. And so you always had something as the focus of your ITOT integration. And uh, what Waterfall does is observes that that's the case. There's one or two or three systems that tend to be your focus. And our software, I mean, we've got the one-way hardware. Uh, physically able to send information in only one direction, the software logs into one of those data sources. It might be OPC, it might be a historian, logs in, username and password, nothing tricky, asks for all of the new data, everything since we asked the last time, gets that snapshot of new data, tags and values and timestamps, pushes the snapshot through the strange one-way hardware. And on the other side, again, there's software, and the software logs into an identical server. If it's Oracle on the inside, it's Oracle on the outside. If it's Pi on the inside, it's Pi on the outside. Inserts the data, and now you have a server sitting on the enterprise network that has all of the data in it that's allowed to be shared with the enterprise network. And now the the enterprise users interact with that replica normally. They have no idea they're dealing with a replica. They think they're still dealing with the live system, but of course, nothing can get through the hardware back into the live system. You know, in a real sense, this is unbreachable. Even if, you know, you steal a password and you take over the waterfall software on the IT network, there's physically no way to transmit the password or any other malware or attack back into the industrial network. Chaos occasionally consumes IT networks, ransomware, who knows what. You know, the industrial process is blind to any chaos that might consume the industrial network by design. You want industrial operations... To, to be independent of any problems that might arise because you manage these networks so very differently. You manage the, the industrial network so much more aggressively to prevent any kind of problem because you can't afford to have the power plant or the refinery or the railway switching system malfunction.
0: Yeah. There's so many vital applications where that's, that's the case. So can you go into how that's possible? And you know, clearly it's not uh TCP IP uh, between two points, uh, it's something else right if it's truly can only go one way uh, how do
2: you how do you accomplish that that's an interesting question that's uh, it's a question we get reasonably frequently here's the thing a, a lot of people imagine that a unidirectional gateway is some kind of one way firewall but it's not i mean fundamentally here's the difference um, all firewalls are routers now people who use firewalls people who sell firewalls are going to be insulted by that i'm sorry I'm not saying that all firewalls are just routers. I'm saying that routers forward network traffic from one network to another. That's what they do. Uh, They figure out if you've got multiple network interfaces, which network interface to send a packet to to route the packet. All firewalls have that function built in. Yes, they have a whole bunch of other stuff that looks at each message and tries to answer the question, is this allowed? But fundamentally, firewalls, once they decide something's allowed, they hand it to the router piece of the firewall and they forward the message unidirectional gateways are not routers they do not forward any of the network traffic from one network to the other you know let's use the the uh, let, you know take a, a classic example uh you know abeva pi we have a pi server on the industrial network and um we log into it and we send what we send we call the Abiva pi function that says you know, uh, give me all of the, the the latest data since the last time I asked. And that function gets turned into a message. And the message is a short message it's going out to was saying, give me all the new stuff. And you get a very long answer back. It might be, you know, megabytes, it might be tens of megabytes of answer split up between lots of packets. That answer, you know, is built up into a data structure in memory. And our software gets that lump of data back. We Convert it to our strange one-way formats, push it through the strange one-way hardware, and on the other side, we log into another Aviva system using the programming interface, and we say, "Here's a bunch of data. Update the system." And that, you know, that library turns the data into a stream, you know, tens, you know, megabytes or tens of megabytes of messages into Aviva with very short answers back. Okay. So, you know, a We didn't, at the application layer, we didn't even see these messages. We're not forwarding messages. And B, these are different messages. Short query, long answer. Long command, short answer. Yep, give me another one. Completely different conversations. It makes no sense to forward any of these messages out. You know, asking how does TCP get through here is the wrong question.
0: Cool. Is it true that this is based on technology from a downed alien spacecraft? (laughs) So all joking aside, I know you I, you guys are um, you know that you, it's 15 years now, right? Since uh, you founded the company and yeah. energy power was an early vertical you were doing a lot in, but today you're seeing a lot of diversity. You're in in multiple verticals beyond the, you know the ones where you sort of made your uh, you know cut your teeth originally. Where where are you applying this technology? Yeah, yeah well
1: you know we we started in in power gen back in the days I think it was back then more advanced in its perception of the threat it had at least some sort of regulation asking for you know better better security and stronger resistance to uh, remote uh, remote attacks and and it was just the, the the right sectors to start with today we are probably in each and every type of uh, industrial sector out there from oil and gas, uh, uh, upstream, midstream, water and wastewater systems, airports, railways, uh, uh, manufacturing plants, pharmaceuticals. Um, Andrew, what did I forget? Chemical plants.
0: I think I read somewhere food and beverage as well.
1: Food and beverage. Yep. Uh, of course. Uh, you know, if, even um, which in some list is listed as critical infrastructure. Building and automation is a is a, a sort of a, a new yeah.
2: market force. We have a new a new initiative to reach out to to building automation, but we have a, a, a rapidly growing number of customers. Casinos is one example. Data centers, you know, yeah. it, to me it's really interesting that that a data center like I don't know, uh, I, I won't use any 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 brand names, um, but you know you've got a, a data center full of cloud. A, a, a massive cloud provider and they're all about cybersecurity. They're firewalls everywhere, they're intrusion detection, they've got their own dedicated SEM and SOC for the data center. And they come to us and say, we want you to protect the building automation. One way out, nothing back. Nothing touches the air conditioning ever. And we're going, but you're all about firewalls and and software. And they say, no, no. For for the for the really important stuff, the keeping the lights on, they come to us.
0: So uh, let's talk about the origin of the of the company. You know, Leo, I go direct this to you. Just you know, fifteen years ago, and I know a little bit of the story, but maybe some of our listeners don't. You know, yeah. where this, how did you know why did you start it? Where did it come from?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, fifteen years ago, I you don't know. Maybe some some of the facts are blurred now, but uh, the company that I've co-founded prior to to Warful Security was uh, more more on the uh, offensive cyber area. And the thing that, that was be successful was you know, demonstrating how to just breach each and every type of perimeter security used by the most secure uh, uh, sites out there and and getting in from remote. I mean, you never fail penetrating and entering a secure site which is accessible from the Internet. And Doing that so many times uh, or or you know seeing how it's being done so many times started to you know bug me at night, saying, you know it does sense that you know all of the infrastructure all of the utilities, all of the things that are most important for society are so easily breached and remotely accessed uh from the internet you know uh, of course, it doesn't mean that that all attacks and, and and everything are successful. But for an asset owner that you know their assets are are physical processes and, and that is energy or you know helps uh, uh, um, move people in trains and 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 stuff like that. If if you have Remote access by an unauthorized person to your networks, or if there's any, you know, mal- malware there. N- now you're in a safety issue. It's not a cyber issue anymore. Uh, and you know, un- unless you can fix it like really fast, and nobody can fix that really fast, you need to shut down your operation. We saw that in the Colonial attack, which, by open source uh, information, the attack wasn't even. Successful enough to get into the to the OT network to the industrial network, but they were not sure about that, so they had to shut down. So
0: abundance of caution, I think, was the word. And boy, that abundance of caution had a cost.
1: Yeah, yeah, and bad publicity, and you know, a, a lot of a lot of bad implications. But probably they did the right thing uh, at that specific situation. I mean, if they weren't sure, if anything really got in and infiltrated their their network they can't allow it to to operate same if it would have been a subway or you know pr- practically any other of you know customers in in those sectors that we are active in so so that started to really bug me and i said let's you know this is a interesting enough and big enough and important enough problem to solve so i I, I moved out and and founded waterfall and was was this technology that we've started to, to to develop even even before we formally f- founded a company, uh, and said, you know, as I said, uh, segregating is easy, uh, uh, connecting in a is what you really need. So let's go and solve that in in the best way where we can allow that connectivity, allow real time data sharing. Allow back then we didn't have cloud connectivity so much but allow cloud connectivity today without all the risks of uh, putting their firewalls and and detection system and all of that which eventually are reached so you know that 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 was that was why started the company Uh, back then cyber wasn't even a term used so much you know Industrial cybersecurity, OT cybersecurity was a non-market. Yeah, I mean, uh, we would find customers on on you know crossroads and try to persuade them to sell to to buy our products. I mean, the, there was no demand. There was there was nothing. The, the 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 understanding of customers that firewalls won't save them if if somebody wants to breach in. Wasn't existing. I mean, customer would just say, "Yeah, well, you know, we have firewalls; they work." You know, go out, uh, and and the threat perception was was very very low compared to today. Um, but you know, we we knew the reality of things, and we knew that this would would eventually uh, um, happen. Uh, and you know, I'm I don't want to say that we said we told you, but hey, we told you.
0: I have great empathy for 2007 uh, because, as you know, I was involved in co-founding a company in 2012, and it was pretty early. And so you were five years before that. Uh, yeah, people were not uh, they were not like, come on in. Uh, tell us about what you uh, what you need or what, what we need. Um, and so I I admire the, you know, the, the early vision there uh, th- that long ago. Um, and I imagine those early years were. You know, I don't know to what degree, you know, you, you want to share it, but I bet they were a schlog.
1: Yeah. You,
0: you yeah. Just stick, to your, stick to your vision. Um, yeah. Anything from any sort of tales from along the road there of, of 15 years? You know, today I um, I know your customer base is, is quite diverse and, and I, I run into people, you know, talking about the product in different places. Uh, you know, uh, that that's great. That's a sign of where you finally have gotten things to. But what were those early years like? Any stories
1: there? Too, too many stories and, you know. None that we can actually share the names of the customer. so yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know we
0: any lightning rod events, any anything like I remember this, and this was a big deal to to our industry or to our product vision or to our company, and a turning a turn in the road, even if you don't you know say, you know give specificity,
1: okay. I, I, I can say that you know we we uh, in 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 practice, we we replace firewalls, okay? We replace perimeter firewalls those firewalls that before connected control networks outside. Back in the days, there were, and and to an extent, even today, it depends a bit on the sector and the geography, uh, we replace routers. So some sectors in more sectors and, and more geographies are getting much more advanced and, and so, but some are still lagging dramatically. So good good for us. There's a lot more to sell to, but I would have expected the the industry to be a bit more advanced in 2022 than than it is me
0: too i certainly thought (laughs) so years ago yeah i you know i don't know about you but i i think our annual survey and and now that we have a lot of data at our fingertips says that the problem that we're talking about here is absolutely global the approach budgets board-level buy-in, C-level buy-in, uh, government approach, that varies widely regionally. So the problem is the same, but the approaches are not the same.
2: Yeah. If I may, I'll, I'll uh, I don't know if, if it, if it's, uh, Leo, let me know if, if you, if you like the story, but if I may, I do have a, a, a story. It's not so much a, a, a stroke of lightning, but sort of a, what we expected would be a stroke of lightning. It was in fact a setback that happened in about uh, 2015. It was NERC SIP version five. Yeah. Uh, we like every other industrial security vendor uh, at the time put out a, a huge marketing campaign because we're we're thinking it's a it's a complete rewrite of version 3 all change is an opportunity to position new technology into into the solution and you know we scored one or two sort of big customers and nothing else and we said what's going on sometime later we were talking to uh, the ceo of another another industrial security company we were talking partnership and uh, you know at at coffee you know he turns to us and he says andrew leor he says you know be straight with me said version 5 what did you get <laughs> we said one or two customers big customers and you know some small fry and then and nothing and he said i've talked to all sorts of you know, industrial security businesses, they said exactly the same thing. They might have scored one customer, they might have scored two, and then nothing. And uh, we said, you know, big disappointment, didn't know what it was. And then, and then, you know, 12 months later, we had people tapping us on the shoulder at trade shows. You know, we did a lot of face-to-face marketing at the time. Hey, come and talk to us. We're saying, sure, we'd love to, but we did talk to you a couple of years ago. I'm curious, what's changed? And the answer was, believe it or not, well, a couple of years ago, we were caught up in the throes of NERC SIP version 5. We have that finally, well and truly behind us. We've been audited. It's done. It's over. Now we can start thinking about security again.
0: <laughs> uh, are you implying yeah. compliance doesn't equal security? Is that what you're saying?
1: Shocking. <laughs> I mean, it's shocking, yes. Really. It's, <laughs> when When we started to see that most of the compliance officers in our customers, the, the NERC-SIP-related sector, are lawyers, that's when you really get the uh, the understanding of the difference between compliance and security. Not that I'm saying anything negative about lawyers. Some of my best friends are lawyers, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I've I,
1: I always, I
0: mean, I don't know what you guys think, and your, your viewpoint would be very uh, potentially informed differently than mine, is that NERC and NERC-SIP, it's played a part. I mean, it's driven some people to take actions that they might otherwise have taken none, but it isn't a panacea. It's it's not a like, oh, that's done. Check, we're, you know, we've arrived. It's a puzzle piece in a in a bigger in a bigger, bigger mosaic. And so not to take it off the table and say because it's compliance driven and there, you know, obviously you have been shenanigans around trying to, you know, well, if we separate this these two units into smaller units, then whoop, we don't have to we don't have to report on those. You know, that doesn't make them secure. That just means you don't have to report on those. There are things like that have happened. Um, that doesn't help security, but there has it has been at least a a a, a, a puzzle piece that's driven some good behaviors as well.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, as I said uh, at that point of time, it was better than nothing. Yeah, it was better than than other sectors that had nothing. So nothing. at least these yeah. guys had to think about you know security compliance, Had to think about how to be compliant. They had to show that they are investing resources in that and and they had to show that they are doing something to get to a better position or at least a compliant position. So, you know, uh, it's not all bad, but I think it's, uh, you know, it achieved dramatically less than expected or should have.
0: Well, let's, uh, you know, let's wrap up with a little bit of looking to the future. What What are you both personally or what is Waterfall or both? Uh, excited about
1: um, you know ahead. Okay, I'm you know first of all I'm I'm excited about the current market status. I think you know uh, again mainly because of ransomware, the awareness now is high and and getting higher and wider than before. In if in the past we would get in through the street level through. And 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 that's all. Today uh, uh, we're invited to you know the C suite to explain to the boards what's going on because uh, uh, somebody trying to steal their money is something that they understand much more than whatever state is trying to do something which is you know terror based or or geopolitical something uh, and will use a cyber attack to show it. Uh, the the market is is dramatically better and growing it's very exciting and and the other thing is the those new sectors that we are um now selling to or or you know like being it, it's even like being called to you know we used to try and and push our products everywhere and now we're being called from as Andrew said before uh, um uh, the building management system that that cover everything from casinos to to data centers to you know big campuses and And the rails and railways and subways and and all of that part of of the the industry which um, I think uh, got in a bit late to the game, but are catching up really fast now Let me add I don't know if, if I'm excited about it, but
2: um, you know what I see coming is uh, a big change on the threat side. You know, uh, I was on one of the uh, the CSA webinars uh, with Greg Hale from ICS Drive, and we were looking at incident data. And, uh, you know, the world changed in 2020, and nobody noticed. You know, um, how many incidents were there in, pick a date, 2015, uh, where there were physical consequences of a deliberate cyber attack? not errors and emissions, not something malfunctioned, but a deliberate attack, there was one. It was the Ukraine. Um, We're still facing the Ukraine. But, you know, in 2020, there was 10 attacks that impacted uh, almost 100 sites. In uh, 2021, there was 22 attacks with physical consequences. Does anyone believe we're ever going to go back to one or zero? I don't think so. We've seen a state change you know the the attacks with physical consequences are now escalating exponentially. You know the problem of cybersecurity for industrial sites is going to get much worse before it gets any better. This is the time. You know now's the time to to act to do something about this because uh, you know three years from now we're looking at at a, a very bad situation if we continue to double every year.
0: Yeah, the, yeah. the genie's out of the bottle, right? No putting no putting it no putting it back. It's just <laughs> preparing and being. Being more ready than than we have been, and I, I, Lior, I think my assessment of the market is is the same as yours. Is that it is it is marginally or it is markedly better than it was, you know, five years ago, ten years ago, let alone 15 years ago, for sure. And we still got ways to go, but it's a much uh, more proactive, uh, bought-in environment. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Lior Frankel, CEO and co-founder of Waterfall Security, and Andrew Ginter, VP of Industrial Cybersecurity. Uh, thank you both for, uh, for joining uh, us today and for everything you do in the community, for supporting CSA for so many years. Uh, you know, I, I think I've told the story that there's I'm not sure who was first, whether it was you or KPMG, but when CC was just an idea, you know, sort of the napkin form, uh, you guys got involved. And uh, it's come a long way. And I'm always super appreciative of those early uh, partners who, you know, saw what we might be able to be. And so thank you for that
1: and for, for everything you do in the industry in general. Um, thank you, Derek, for inviting us. And, you know, it's, it's always a pleasure uh, talking with you. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Derek.
0: All right. Take care. Be well. See you, my friends. Bye-bye.